Hi, I'm Chief Bob Vasquez. And I'm Dr. Jose Lugo Santiago. Welcome to Leaders and Futures. Let us have a new kind of conversation, one about leading as futures emerge, are yet to happen, or plainly need to be reimagined. Someone has said that the best way to predict the future is to create it. Although it's impossible to predict the future, one thing is certain, you must lead in it. It's time to think differently about leading. This podcast is powered by the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Let's get started with today's discussion on leaders and futures. Orale Lugo, how are you, man? Buenos dias, Chief. I'm doing great. How are you? It's, well, that's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, this week has been great. You know, it's, it's, it's good to go through, you know, a lot of times we are all very busy. You know, as leaders, we're very busy, but then kind of like towards the end of the week, we stop and look back and we're able to to see uh, what we did, analyze. And when I look through, I think our team did amazing. And so yeah. just uh, it's a it's a happy moment right yeah. here. Yeah. And now we look forward to what we're going to be doing next. Well, uh, we are speaking today as uh, we're recording this on the Cinco de Mayo. And it's the anniversary of your retirement. And I can't remember how long That's it's right. been. That's uh, right. You know, it's five, five years. Five, five years. Five yeah. years that we met up in um, San Antonio. And uh, we uh, we said that you said goodbye to the Air Force. And uh, so uh, congratulations on that. And uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for remembering. Yeah. yeah Cinco uh, de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo, yes. What a special yeah. day. <laughs> Cinco de Lugo, I think is what the- Cinco de Lugo, uh, yeah. That was the theme for that uh, that event. So, but- um, well, well, good, good. And uh, as the weather changed, I mean, every week we got to have this weather report. Uh, the, I think, and I'm, I'm knocking on wood right now, I think we're out of winter in Colorado, Google. The snow, I think, has stopped. Oh, great. And yesterday I wore short sleeve shirts. So uh, maybe we're out of this. Uh, it's, it's been a long winter this year. It, it just lasted for long. It wasn't a hard one, but it was long. Uh, what's the weather like for you guys? Are you, you getting that suntan that you need? I've been we've been traveling, but I see outside my window and it looks uh, San Antonio, uh, sunny San Antonio. So it looks beautiful. Yeah. I love it like that. Yeah, well, good for you. So uh, I can't remember what we were talking about last week. You know, it has nothing to do with age. It's uh, it's the altitude. But well, uh, I, sure. I thought that we, since we're talking, <laughs> uh, our focus is usually on leadership and. Uh, and futures, there is a system that you and I grew up with that I think is uh, I think is still valid. I think it's the, probably the best uh, leadership system, if you will, that anybody's uh, ever developed. And that was by uh, Blanchard and Kersey, and that's called situational leadership. And eventually, they uh, they developed situational leadership too. I don't know. I don't remember the difference. All I know is the two because that's the one that's the, the latest one. But uh, but anyway, I thought we'd talk a little bit about that uh, for leaders, especially new leaders, and not really for new leaders, all leaders, and uh, and how it affects the future. You know, because I think we can use this model for helping develop the futures that we talk about. But before we get into it, let me tell you a couple of things. I, I've met uh, Dr. Blanchard a couple of times, and usually in Chicago, I used to go to this uh, conference, and I see him every year. And uh, what a wonderful guy, just a mm -hmm. wonderful man. You know, I've always wanted his uh, title, job title, whenever I build my own company, chief spiritual officer. 
That was his duty title? That's his duty Chief title. Spiritual, okay. The Chief Spiritual Officer. I don't know that he does anything, but, you know, it's, this company is so big. In fact, it's Blanchard Companies, plural. And I know his uh, his son, his children run him, uh, run the company. So I don't know that he does much of that anymore. So he can do whatever, you know, he can call himself whatever he wants. But Chief Spiritual <laughs> Officer, I like that. And I think every leader should be that. And, um, but anyway, when I see him in Chicago, I, I, like I said, I met him a few times. It got to the point that he'd, he'd recognize me. I'd say, hey, uh, Dr. Blanchard, hey, Chief, how are you? And we get to talking. I thought, wow, I mean, this is a, a, a master in this business, you know, of leadership and all that kind of stuff. And he remembers me. So, uh, did, uh, you, did you yell at him? Is no, that no, how, not no. how he remember? No, no, no yelling. I, I would not yell at him because he's, uh, he's too nice a guy. So uh, other people, okay. my proteges, yeah, I yell at them. Oh, that's okay. I see. I see. <laughs> and, and the other thing with Dr. Kersey, I met him at the similar, I think it was in Chicago. He had just written a book and it was, you know, where they do all of, they have all the little stands where they have free books and all that kind of stuff. I'm walking around uh, there and I see his stand and it says, Dr. Kersey, you know, new book, blah, 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 blah. And I'm standing there talking to someone and I, the boy, I got my foot in my mouth because I tell whoever it is I'm talking to, I thought he died. And mm. he comes out. He says, "No, I'm right here." <laughs> thought, oh, okay. That's uh, so. Sorry. That's that terrible when that, it, that oh, happens. Embarrassing, embarrassing. And and then I got to talking to him. Wonderful man as well. Just uh, uh, humble as could be. Both of them mm. humble as could be. But anyway, they came up, uh, uh, and I think both of them were together when they first uh, developed this uh, situation of leadership. And we taught it a lot in what uh, we. Uh, BME, yeah. professional military education. And I think it's pro probably the best model that I've ever seen, uh, mm -hmm. again, for how do you lead people. And you can go mm -hmm. uh, look it up and uh, just Google that situational leadership too, uh, and you'll find all kinds of stuff, all kinds of um, papers and stuff uh, written about that. But, but what I like about it, uh, Lugo, is that it gives you uh, some guidance on how to lead in particular situations which mm -hmm. I think we've been talking about all along anyway, but this is a model that helps. And, you know, like, like I said, and we've agreed, you don't yell. Well, you just ask, you don't yell at everybody because it doesn't work for everybody, but there are mm -hmm. some people that you do yell at because that's the way they listen. That's like you and uh, Eddie Diaz. If I don't <laughs> yell at you guys, you won't listen to me. Oh yeah. that That's right. That's right. I understand. Yeah. That yelling is like, Oh, okay. I understand. Now, so you feel very strongly about this. All right, let's talk about it then. So the the Kenneth Blanchard model, I, I have to say, yes, we taught it. The first time I was exposed to it when I was a uh, when I was an instructor at the uh, leadership school uh, in the Air Force, we take our 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 emerging leaders. So we have like an emerging leaders program. And these are people who if you imagine in, in our armed forces, you you see the you we put young people in 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 tremendous you know situations where we give them tremendous amount of responsibility. I, I gotta tell you, I don't see that in in many different places and i've been in and i have visited many industries and i work with a lot of clients that they, they were doing amazing work but when i see how these young people we uh, how they lead and how they make mistakes right because uh, they they're they're young and and so we have to find a way to give them the then the, what they need so they can lead effectively 
and and so we put them out there because we don't have a lot of choices, right? Uh, they they got to lead, and and they have to do the best that, that they can, and and they have to choose to lead rather than just being there because there's just so much at stake. And so, so we learn about this model, and I I have to say it was uh, what the assumption here is, you know, from Dr. Blanchard is that leadership is situational, right? And and that and then based on that. The in in the simplest form, we have the four quadrants, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about that. But what I liked about it, it was that again, this is a framework for leadership, and there's other frameworks for leadership, but this kind of uh, framework uh, is simple to understand, and then you have the choice to get deeper, and you should, right? Because not everything is black and white. It is. Uh, we also understand that it is linear in its in its course of instruction, but we understand in life it, things don't quite go you know linearly. Uh, there are many different things. Just like we think about the the phases of a team, right? We storming, norming. We do know that sometimes teams revert back. There may be in the norming or the performing stage. And somehow we see, we take a team member out and we put another team member and the, and some of these teams that are high performing go back to the, the storming stage. And, and so we understand that. And so here in this model, although it's not quite visible here, it's, it's worth noting that, that not everything will be linear, but it does gives us the opportunity to analyze in the most simplest way that there are certain things that leader can do to move through a continuum, just like we do with with teams. Yeah, and as as you say that that uh, the leader moves through that continuum, so does the follower. You know, be, because that that's, and you know, you know that I read uh, a lot of books every year. And so many of them uh, that I read are prescriptive. This will get you there. Bullshit. Not always. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as soon as you think and think that something is going to be effective, affected, and the people are not going to do. They're not going to follow exactly the way you thought they were. They were, you know, based on that model that you had, the book that you got. Uh, that in all of my books, I always tell people, uh, this is not prescriptive. These are some ideas that may work for you. Maybe not. You know, mm -hmm. but at least if you have these tools, you can go back to them, which is that that's, I think, the, the value of this model Absolutely. that you have this tool and you can look at it. And and it's, it's like we've talked about the analysis for developing the futures. You have to do that as a leader. Mm -hmm. You got to be analyzing constantly. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that worked. OK, just now, but maybe not in about two seconds. Because something else, you know, that future is going to be affected by something, some external thing, and maybe even an internal thing. And uh, the thing, I, like I said, the thing I like about it, uh, Lugo, is that it it does give you a continuum to at least consider this. You know, because if you don't, if, especially if you're not even seen it, you're going to go in there thinking, and, and you know my experience at the Air Force Academy. And it's not just at the Academy. I think most leadership training tells you, De de decide, uh, discover your leadership uh, 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 style. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you only have one style, you're going to fail because you cannot communicate with all of the other ones who don't, uh, they, they don't uh, uh, learn from in that style. They don't uh, listen in that style. It's like yelling. 
you know, if I yell at yes. you, if I, I yell at everybody, eventually, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are going to say, ah, uh-uh, I'm not going to go with that guy because he like, you know, he's yelling all the time. Uh, and, but you and uh, Eddie will go with me because you like to be yelled at. So, you know, <laughs> that may not work. So it's just like, to keep I, you, you know, just, just to keep you there trying to figure out what are you, these two trying to do? Yeah. <laughs> you want to appease me. <laughs> yeah, Cause you're, you're both of you are trying to be ruggedly handsome and sorry, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Google. It's not going to. So, uh, so anyway, but uh, yeah, you should never have one leadership style. You you have a preference, of course. You prefer to do it this way, but that's not going to always work. You know. Uh, you, do you remember the movie? Uh, oh, it had to do with the Russian uh, when the the American hockey Olympic team beat the Russians. Uh, uh, I don't remember what the a Miracle on Ice. I think is the name of the movie, mm-hmm. or Miracle, or something like that. Where uh, I can't think of this. Um, Gosh, his name just slipped my mind. But the coach, and it's really about the coach yelling at all of those hockey players. And hockey players, for the most part, you know, they don't mind being yelled at or hit or stuff because that's what the, that's the name of the game. They feel that's part of the game, uh, of, yeah, of their yeah. learning, of their growing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Herb, Herb was his name. But anyway, he did that. And, of course, the movie, and we beat the Russians, and that was a great thing and all that kind of stuff. But he was not very successful after that comparatively speaking, because everyone thought, oh, man, he's going to be like the coach, the hockey coach forever, you know, because he's just, uh, he was so successful at doing this, accomplishing this. No, because his style, you know, people didn't like his style. Those particular people on that team, which, by the way, were from different colleges, not from one college, they did it, and it worked for them in that situation. But after that, it didn't work. Or as well, you know, he, he he succeeded okay, but he wasn't like the coach that they expected him to be. So, um, so anyway, I, I think if you're going to lead, you got to have all of these tools because you're going to have to treat people. Uh, uh, you know, I have two daughters. You, you know, my daughters, they are totally opposite, totally opposite. One of them, you know, is a more of a, I won't say an introvert, but she prefers introverting a lot more. The other one is a huge extrovert, so you can't talk to them the same way you're not going to communicate the same way uh, especially if you're trying to lead them so you know and now add three or four or five or 20 mm-hmm. yeah so what you're saying is uh it's using the right approach to uh and, and uh to the right follower through an assessment of the followers capabilities where is it where is the the follower so 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 now you're talking about two continuums, right? You have yeah, the yeah. leader's continuum. Where is that leader in that uh, in that leadership journey or 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 the situation? So you have the situation continuum, and now you have the followers continuum, the maturity, and that's kind of like in in the Kenneth Kenneth Blanchard's model is the the maturity. We're measuring and analyzing the maturity of the follower. And then the leader is understanding where is this person at, and then also you gotta understand uh, where you are at, what's the situation, and then you are applying the right approach to leadership. Uh, and so, because you could be the best leader, but then, uh, but by not analyzing or making an assumption that the particular follower in a particular uh, place, you may approach the wrong. 
uh, you you may uh, put the wrong approach and get the the results that you did not want. For example, uh, one of the things is you have a a brand new uh, follower who may have come to your organization, you know, a brand new team member, and uh, you have a, an initial conversation and you an assessment, right? And you don't know each other very well. But because you think this person can handle this difficult task, then you embrace a delegating uh, leadership style, for example. Say you just, you know, uh, take it, see you later, let me know how things are going. And the person may not be aware, may not, may not be aware about the culture, the, uh, you know, the types of, the person, you know, the follower may not understand the, the for example, the, the, their cultural norms that say, hey, this person must sign, uh, then you need to inform this person. You must coordinate with this other person. Uh, this other person is responsible for this and that. And because of that, uh, you know, so what you have done is you have uh, you have uh, you have uh, done the wrong approach as a leader, right? You use a delegating a leadership approach, which and maybe the person is capable in all of those things, but you have not done a very good assessment. So maybe the best thing you could have done is going more on a participating type of approach where you are coaching the person. Hey, uh, you're capable, you're motivated, but let me tell you a little bit about the environment. So the person understands, and then you could probably delegate, but you don't actually delegate just right off the bat. And that's just uh, an example of using these this tool and mentioning back to your points about where everybody's at, everybody's different, and then using the same tool, yelling, as we were joking about, or uh, as people like to say, a, a hammer, right? For for a person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And right. so we just, as leaders, got to be smarter than that. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that a lot of times a lot of authors talk about and uh, they dismiss is the idea, and we we tell leaders – don't well we we tell leaders who are trying to de develop a culture to not perpetuate this culture of this is how we've always done it i think there's value in that Lugo, because not that we've always done it that way but that going back to the the a word the analysis of it we don't analyze we'll walk in that new person that you're just talking about walks in i'm the the, the boss and i say because uh, this is the way we do it because we've always done it. Okay, if we leave it just there, that's not going to be very effective. But if we analyze it, this is the way we've always done it because it's the right way, that's different. You know, I, I think we just, what is that old saying about throwing the baby out with the bathwater or something? Right. When, you, when you tell people uh, don't accept that, no, not necessarily consider that. This is the way we've always done it because like you say, this is the culture and this is okay because this is the culture and this is the culture that we want to perpetuate. Okay. As long as you've done the analysis, you know, whether you like it or not, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but nonetheless, you've done the work of analyzing. This is why. Yeah. Well, in regards to culture, when the, when the culture is aligned with the industry, what we have seen is incredible performance. And uh, if you have a culture that's misaligned with the industry sector, uh, with the, uh, and let's say, for example, you're in an organization that is very high in compliance and you have a different, for example, an adhocracy type of 
culture in your organization, well, you can expect that there is going to be fines uh, because you were speeding and, and, and stuff like that. Because in a type of environment like that, you probably want an organization that, you know, a culture that is some type of bureaucratic, meaning processes, uh, you know, requirements, adherence to those are the kind of things, right? That, yeah. that when we talk about culture, we're talking about alignment, not specifically toxic. Uh, toxic is bad anywhere. And that's right. not what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of talking about it, man, you, you just talk so much that we've run out of time. Wow, so... <laughs> really? <laughs> I normally don't. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, right. <laughs> In fact, I got to yell at you about that. But anyway. <laughs> well, yell at me uh, next week. How about next that? Next week. I'll yell at you. Let's see, which one would that be? That would be uh, directing, I think. S one. Let's talk about this a little bit more, and especially about how, how does it affect as we develop uh, futures, because I think this model can help us and uh, and guide us maybe a little bit. So uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, happy right, we'll uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, don't drink too much. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> happy yeah. weekend. And happy Cinco de Mayo to you too, Chief. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening. We hope today's topic connected with you and help you reflect on the work leaders do to get out of a narrow focus on one future and into a broader range of possible alternatives. If you'd like to connect with us, find us at leadersandfutures.com. And if you would like to learn more about leadership and future studies, we have several programs to help you at the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Until next time, be great. <laughs>